The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this week is Kelly Scanlon. She's the owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media, uh, which is a company uh, that produces a variety of products and events in the kind of small business area. She's based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Well, thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. Let's just start with a little bit of your background. We're going to get into it in more detail, but just kind of get how you started as an entrepreneur and created this company, ultimately. Sure. Uh, actually, it's it's kind of an interesting story. I really was not looking for this company. I'm not the first owner of it. Uh, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, but about 20 years ago, uh, I had an editorial service, and what was then called Kansas City Small Business Monthly was one of my clients for a very brief time. I heard that in this little publication uh, that serves small business owners, I heard it was going up for sale, and so I thought I was really not happy about it because I heard about that third hand and thought, you know. I, I wish the uh, owner had called me directly. And so I was talking to my husband at dinner that night, and I said, I ought to just buy the darn thing myself. And he goes, well, why not? And so I went out and talked to the owner. We struck a deal, and um, I put my editorial service aside and went full strength into magazine publishing. And, you know, it, it really didn't matter that my background was book editing, not magazine editing, and that I didn't have any sales experience, much less advertising sales experience, uh, no layout experience, nothing. I mean, it was basically just an impulse kind of thing. I thought it would be fun to do. Um, and I, you know, I had some ideas for how to improve it. Um, you know, I just thought, how hard can it be? Probably like a typical entrepreneur, how hard can it be? And, you know, I'd, I'd figure out the way, but the fact of the matter was, is that when I did the deal, I didn't do any due diligence. Um, and now of course I'm, I'm, always talk to people about doing due diligence, uh, but um, I worked out owner financing, I reincorporated it under a different name, and uh, then it just kind of got things underway. I, I got actually three banker's boxes full of things, uh, some subscriber lists, some golf towels with the name embroidered on them, and some back copies, uh, but that's about, and a few media kits. That's what I got <laughs> when wow. I bought it, and so, you know, after about a year of working in this environment where um, I found out that things weren't as they had seemed, uh, for example, the advertisers thought that there was a much higher uh, distribution and circulation and just, just a number of things, suffice it to say. Uh, and I, I was getting a lot of hang-ups with people, realized it didn't have that great a reputation in the community. And you know, now I talk about this as a lessons learned kind of thing to other people. You know, you have to do other would-be entrepreneurs. You have to do your due diligence. And uh, anyway, after about a year of working in that type of environment, I thought, I, I've got to close this down. Because part of the financing deal was that I would pay it out of the ha-ha profits uh, every month. I would pay, you know, the previous owner. And we were actually paying it 
out of our own pocketbooks. So about a year of this, I thought, I'm done. Uh, I can't keep this up. Went down to visit my sister uh, in Texas, laid around her pool for a week, figuring out how I was going to come back and shut everything down. And, you know, when I came back, every time I sat down to close it out, I literally got sick, seriously got sick. And I went and told my husband and said, you know, everything on paper is saying, don't keep going with this. But I said, something's telling me this is wrong and I can't close this down. So I regrouped and everybody that I knew in publishing said, you know what? Well, by then it was too late. I think it was the uh, upcoming September issue that uh, would have been the next one. I had missed the August issue. There's no way it could publish. And everybody said, you know, you miss an issue. You will not be back. And I said, well, you know, don't have anything to lose. I already have missed the August issue. So I called the handful of advertisers that I had, asked them if they would stick with me. One said that they would. And I started regrouping. And I decided that even though my background is editorial, that I was going to be the salesperson. That if I could not sell this, then nobody could. And I think, you know, that's something that owners of businesses sometimes have to realize is that you've got to be out there and be the one selling. Uh, a lot of times you, you might have this great idea and you may be really good at building some sort of widget. You know, I was good at editorial, but you're the one that has the vision. And especially early on, a lot of times you're going to be the one that has to do the sales. And so the, the bad thing was, is that during the month that it was shut down, I only got one call from somebody saying, what happened to the magazine? I didn't get the magazine. <laughs> People didn't notice. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and how is that for, you know, reinforcing my decision to keep on going? But any, anyway, in the month that I sold, sold more than it had ever, than it had ever been sold and just kept on building relationships and sticking with it. And, you know, here we are, how many years later, uh, 20 years later, and things are going pretty well. Quite a harrowing experience, I must say. Yes. It was. It was. <laughs> that due diligence, do your due diligence, and be prepared to do anything that you have to if you really believe in it, not just what you're trained to do. Let, let's just start with a little bit of a higher view of kind of entrepreneurship in America mm -hmm. these days. So some people would say it's the easiest time to be an entrepreneur because funding is available. The Internet allows you to go national instantly, particularly with an app or something online that's quite easy. Some would say it's the hardest time because big businesses are getting bigger and meaner all the time. They've got financing. It's hard to get loans. What, what is the way you size up the entrepreneurial landscape these days? You know, all those things that you said are true. Uh, there's, it, it, it depends on a lot of circumstances, of course. Technology does allow you to be bigger and to work more remotely and access things that you uh, maybe wouldn't have been able to many, many years ago. It doesn't tie you down to a physical location necessarily. There, there are uh, various types of funding. You know, you've got crowdfunding you know, on the internet. You can go online if you can't get it from your bank or from a typical investor. You can do the crowdfunding. There, so there's, there are a variety of different things. But I, I would turn to a couple of recently released reports about some of the trends. Interestingly enough, uh, entrepreneurship has actually gone down uh, the last couple of years. It's starting, uh, according to a Kauffman Foundation report that's been recently released, it's actually starting to increase across the United States again. And the reason, one of the reasons that is so important is that um, I can't remember exactly when, but a few years back, the Kauffman Foundation released a report uh, noting that 
startups are the biggest job creators. So when that startup activity goes down, you should see a correlating decrease in job creation. But it is starting to return. This latest report said that it is starting to see a bit of an uptick. And they also found that out of every 100,000 American adults, that about 330 are choosing entrepreneurship or involved in entrepreneurship, whereas two years ago, when, as I mentioned, when the numbers were down a bit, that was closer to about 280 for every 100,000. So that gives you a little bit of a sense. And, you know, I could, I could go, break it down further into, you know, men versus women and, and so forth. But uh, I, think, I think that was pretty telling that the well, and, and I, you know, I've talked to some people about why. Why did it go down and why is it going back up now just a little bit? And one of the things, I was talking to uh, Professor Donna Kelly last week at Babson College, and she is the leader of the U.S. Global Entrepreneurship Monitor Team, which is uh, the group that produces the GEM report every year. Mm-hmm. It, it yep. studies, yeah, it studies entrepreneurship activity around the world, actually. And she said that we're finally starting to see some growth in uh, um, opportunity entrepreneurship. In other words, that's when people see that there's an opportunity to start something as opposed to necessity entrepreneurship where during the recession, for example, people were getting laid off and so they were uh, starting some businesses, just, maybe they were consulting businesses or what have you. They may be good at something, so they dipped their toe into the entrepreneurship water just because they had to have dollars coming in the door. And yep. many of those, once the recession uh, recovered, went back to corporate America too. Yep. So now we're starting to see more of the opportunity entrepreneurship raising its head again. What is the difference in a mindset between somebody who wants to work for a company and somebody who's willing to take the risk of starting a company and hiring other people, particularly coming out of school. I mean, I think schools, there are these entrepreneurship programs at many schools, but mm-hmm. most schools teach people how to be employees ultimately and not be business owners. Yeah, that's true to a certain extent, too. Again, as you mentioned, there are more entrepreneurship courses. And I also think that the attitude, the societal attitude towards entrepreneurship has changed so much. 25 years ago, when I was first starting out um, with this uh, in the small business community, if you were a business owner, in many people's eyes, you were a corporate dropout. You couldn't make it in corporate America, and so you had to go get a job. I mean, you had to go f- create a business for yourself so you'd have a source of income. A lot of the entrepreneurs I talked to, t- you know, 25, 30 years ago were saying that, but now it's it's encouraged, and I think some of the younger people have a lot better role models that they can look up to. As you mentioned, they're teaching entrepreneur classes in college, and the Reverse may be um, true these days, I mean, just anecdotally, but I think that some of these kids come out thinking that they can do anything. And a lot of people, a lot of these kids are starting businesses that have never had any actual work experience. They've written business plans for their college courses. And uh, so I, I think that's turned just the societal influence itself. Indeed, yeah. So do you think these uh, entrepreneurial classes are a good? Useful? Are they realistic in helping people start entrepreneurship adventures straight out of school? It, it depends on which ones you're in. You know what? Like anything, there are some that offer real-world um, internships with actual entrepreneurial companies. Uh, there are some that uh, you know they they. 
they actually try to get you into situations. I know even in the high schools here in Kansas City, there's a, a Blue Valley CAPS program, for example, and they start in high school placing kids in college. And so I mean, placing kids in companies where they can see what it's like to be an entrepreneur and and what it takes, because I think sometimes there's a glorified uh, version of what an entrepreneur is and how you can maybe make some fast money, and that's really not the norm. So, yeah, it just depends on which program. There are the programs that just just buy the book, and until you get out there and face it, well, really, anytime, until you're the one making the payroll and you're the one actually being challenged every day, it's not going to be the same as sitting in a classroom. But there are some that are very, very good, some programs. What can your website is ithinkbigger.com. What are some things that people can find that would help them become an entrepreneur at your website? Well, it's not so much about what they can what they'll find to help them become an entrepreneur. We're really a resource organization. We're media, yes, but we're a resource organization that helps uh, small to mid-sized businesses, most of them are already in business, and they're small to mid-sized businesses that are looking to grow. They want to get to the next level. And so through our articles, through our podcasts, our live events where we hook them up with other business owners that they can learn from and exchange ideas with, uh, through our digital offerings, you will find content. This is primarily content and connections that will help you grow to the next level. And tell them about the connections. You have events or how, what yes. kind of connections are yeah. created? Okay, so we have, most of our events are business owner events. In other words, they aren't chamber events and all the other events have their place. But in these, we actually bring the business owners, the decision makers of the business together. And for one of, one of our events, for example, is the big breakfast, the quarterly big breakfast. And we take all of the uh, people we've had on our, because we're monthly magazine, but we take each of the entrepreneurs that was featured on our cover in the last quarter, put them on a panel, and I moderate that panel because it occurred to us that, okay, you can read about them and a lot of people would get excited about them. We'd get phone calls. Well, how do I reach that person and, and so forth? And I thought, why, why don't we just put them on a panel and let people come up and meet them and, and continue to pick their brain? And so that's a real learning experience, peer-to-peer. -peer. Adults in particular like to learn and studies show learn best from each other. So this yeah. is an opportunity for them to do that. We have our, our big uh, event is uh, going into its 16th year. It's the annual 25 Under 25 Awards. And in that, we honor 25 companies every year that have fewer than 25 employees. We came up with that because I read a statistic that said that 86% that of all businesses have fewer than 19 employees in the United States. Wow. And yeah, I mean, you, you see all of the big companies get in the major press, and so you would never think that... The core of our economy is is dependent on these businesses that have under 19 employees. So, yeah. you know, 19 under 19 doesn't sound really good from a marketing <laughs> standpoint. So we decided to call it the 25 under 25 awards. And it's it's a it's a huge deal every year. About 800 people come out for it. So Excellent. All right, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kelly Scanlon. She's the owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Her website is ithinkbigger.com. We'll be back after this.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kelly Scanlon. She's the owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media, a company based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you. So when you talk about being bigger, and your website, again, is ithinkbigger.com, what do you mean by thinking bigger? You know, that's a great question because uh, one of the reasons that we na- renamed, we rebranded back in 2008 to Thinking Bigger, we wanted to capture the mindset, the psychographic uh, aspect of being a business owner as opposed to when it was Small Business Monthly, it was always about, well, what's the definition of small? How many employees do you have to have? And we knew that the kind of content that we were producing was more about how, to, it didn't matter how many employees you have now or what your revenue is now, our content is about helping you to get to that next level. And so it's not about being bigger or hiring more people. It's not fixated on getting to a certain revenue uh, number necessarily. It's really about a different way of thinking. It's a mindset shift. Uh, it's an attitude or a different approach to your business. It's about staying open to possibility, about looking at opportunities and products and processes and all aspects of your business in new ways. It's just really opening up your mind. And our content reflects that. It encourages that uh, in various things. And the results of that, when you uh, can make that kind of a mindset uh, shift are, you know, innovation that maybe you didn't think was possible and which then can result in new products and services or it can uh, be new processes that bring about greater productivity and efficiencies and, uh, you know, ultimately revenue growth. So that, that's what we mean by thinking bigger. Some people think bigger and fail because they're not able, the demand isn't there, the financing isn't there, the logistics, the people aren't there. There are times when you should get bigger and times when you shouldn't get bigger. How do you know when, when it's appropriate to try to expand and think bigger and when it is not appropriate? 
Uh, that's so true. You know, the, the big uh, red flag is those first few years in business that everybody thinks are so dangerous, it's going to make or break you. But I've seen more businesses get up past that five-year mark or so where they really start to accelerate. And then that's when they get caught because they don't manage the growth. And so, uh, you know, you have to, you have to manage your growth. There, there's uh, no question about it. If, if you're going to uh, introduce a new product or service, or if you're going to start hiring more people, you can't just um, wing it. You can't just say, oh, well, I, I'm going to finance it because I'm this new person because I'm going to sell so many products. Uh, products or I'm going to get this many new clients for the service and hope that it happens. If you're going to introduce something new, you better budget for it. That's a piece of advice I got a long time ago that's been so true. You can't just talk about doing it. You have, If you're really committed to it, you have to budget for it. And I would also say don't hesitate to go out and uh, f talk to other people about it too. You have to do your homework, uh, do your research, uh, do your market research. So yeah, you have to manage that growth, no question. What has been the biggest challenge you faced as an entrepreneur? I mean, you talked about the survival aspect at one point right. there. But beyond yeah. once you were surviving and now working, you know, what were some of the big challenges you faced to get it to grow to the way it has been now? Yeah, uh, th those first couple of years in particular, as you mentioned, were probably some of the roughest times. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure uh, listeners who are entrepreneurs can relate, every day is a pop quiz. You never know when you get up. You may have your day planned, but there is always something that comes up that's different. And, and so uh, on a daily basis, there are challenges. And I might be stating the obvious, but for those who may be listening that are thinking about going into business, when I talk about, you know, there's that ugly side of business too. Uh, there's a challenging side. And every day you're going to encounter those. And so you just better be ready for them. But I think one of the other things probably was when we went through the rebrand in 2008, we knew that we needed to do it, but we had a limited budget. I did budget for it, but we had a limited budget. And we are a smaller organization. And so trying to get that word out to everybody after years of being the other was a challenge. And on top of that, and this is kind of a funny story. On top of that, uh, we had been planning this for about a year and a half. We were working with a marketing agency to make sure we were doing everything right and had this big rollout party planned. Uh, for October of 2008, the first week, and uh, had several hundred people coming for this rollout wow, party. Not, not and great timing. <laughs> no, and yeah, I know where you're going there. It's, I don't know if anybody else remembers what happened uh, the first week of October 2008. Wall Street crashed. You know, you could just hear the glass shattering on the sidewalks in the financial district there in New York. And I get up there in front of everybody and tell them, you know, they have to think bigger about their business. And then, you know, a lot of them have just lost their. 401ks that were helping to finance their business or, you know, their housing was about to plummet, which they were mortgaged on to uh, finance their business. And so that was that was a real challenge. But I, I tell you, um, in the months after that, people who had been there said, we needed to hear that that night. We really needed to hear that. But that was getting through that rebranding was probably um, one of our bigger challenges, too. Yeah. So you've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs You've read a lot about entrepreneurship. You teach entrepreneurship. What is some of the best advice you've ever received as an entrepreneur about how to be successful at it? Some of these are going to seem really simple, but 
and there's, they seem obvious, but I think that they get overlooked. And so I, I'm going to mention them anyway. The first is, and this was really hard for me to get over, and I still struggle with this a little bit, and that's if you don't ask, you don't get. I think entrepreneurs are so can-do. They just want to do everything themselves. And so they, they, don't, they don't ask. Well, if you don't ask, you're not going to get. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. If you ask and it's no, well... If you don't ask, it's no too. So, so you have to ask for help. And then another piece of advice um, came from listening to and reading the books of Michael Gerber, the E-Myth Master, for those of uh-huh. you who yep. may not know. And when I first started this, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, there are still many things that we do that are probably too fly by the seat of your pants. But um, in the early days, in particular, everything was happening fast. And that was... Reading his books and then hearing him speak really helped instill in me the value of process and removing yourself and really anybody on your staff from the the role. It has to be, the process has to become the process. You cannot tie it, oh, just because Mary knows how to do this, we're going to tie it to Mary. Or just because George knows how to do that, we're going to tie this to George. It has to be a process. Um, if your business cannot function without yourself or specific individuals, you really don't have a business or at least a saleable business. And so um, the whole value of process, and if you haven't read the E-Myth books, I'd really recommend that you do. Mm-hmm. And then another Another one, and this is more of a growth strategy, but it's been great advice. Again, read the book uh, uh, called Be the Elephant. And then we got the author, uh, Steve Kaplan, who's out of Chicago, got him to come down here and speak for one of our events. And he, he wrote two books. One is Bag the Elephant. That's all about getting that big customer. And Be the Elephant is about becoming the bigger um, company. And one of the things that he recommends as a growth strategy is to look at all of the things that you do in your business that are core to your business and that you've learned to do them really, really well, so well that you could possibly start offering those as services to other companies. And so spinning them off and actually making those revenue streams for yourself. And that actually worked in our case. I realized about three years ago that we're really, really good at publishing. We know how to write. We know how to edit, do graphic design. And so we have spun off a division that is all about content development and custom publishing and support services for other companies who need newsletters or want to launch publications or need content developed. And so I got, I got that notion from Steve Kaplan with Be the Elephant. So that's something to think about, too. Very good. Uh, what are some of the other common mistakes you see entrepreneurs making all the time? Yeah, this is kind of tied to the you don't ask, you don't get, but it's trying to do everything themselves. And I know in the early days when money's tight, oftentimes, you know, you're the chief cook and bottle washer, but you get to a point that if you're going to grow, you have got to take that leap and surround yourself um, with some employees or figure out some way that you're going to allow other people to do it. But and it's so, hard for people to delegate yeah. sometimes, right? It, it is. I was, gonna, I was just getting ready to say that even if it's not a financial issue to hire more people, a lot of times it's just nobody can do it as well as I can do it. And you're you're kidding yourself. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to uh, you're not. You're just not going to be able to grow if that's a mentality that you continue to use. And I think another one that's somewhat related to that is uh, being penny wise and pound foolish. I have seen so many entrepreneurs refuse to spend a dime on things that could make them, you know, a 
$100 or what I'm saying is that for the amount they spend, there's exponential return and, and they just will hang on. And so you have, you do have to take a little bit of a risk with, you know, financially, that doesn't mean to make an unwise choice or to do it foolishly. You should do your research, but you do need to spend money in order to grow often. And, and there's opportunities that come up, um, marketing opportunities, maybe an opportunity to hire another person that could really free your time or another staff person's time up, uh, and, and they just don't do it. Um, and then the last one I would say that I see a lot, and I've been guilty of myself, and that is to hire too fast and fire too slowly. You know, when uh, you have a need, uh, you just jump out there and you need a warm body and the temptation is to bring somebody in and fill that spot and in a small business oftentimes not give them the training they need to and it's it's just a recipe for disaster it's not fair to the person that you hired it's not fair to the other people on your staff and it's not fair to you either uh, even though you may be the one who was responsible for it so you have to learn to um, also fire uh, faster. If something's not working out, you, you can sit Cut down. Losses, and, to some extent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sit down and have the heart to heart and, and maybe Both give another things are hard. Hiring yeah, people is probably hard. And it's not, they, you're probably into the content of the business and not right. the hiring part. And firing is always difficult for people. As oh, well. it is in small businesses. People become like family too. So it's even harder. Yep. Very good. All right. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the money answer show. My guest this hour is Kelly Scanlon. Uh, she is the owner of thinking bigger business media. Uh, she's based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas. Her website, you can find out more about her, is ithinkbigger.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kelly Scanlon. She's the owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Uh, which is a company based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas, to help small businesses grow bigger. Her website is ithinkbigger.com. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you. So tell us about making decisions as an entrepreneur. Uh, one way to do it is kind of go with your gut and what you feel like. Kind of when you were about to fail, you went with your gut instead of, right. kind of official business plans. Or you can kind of go with the numbers and the business plan. When should you do one and when should you do the other? That's that's an interesting question. It's one that I actually like to ask of the panelists that we have at some of our events. And 
it, it, it just depends. One of the, one of our, uh, do, do you have a dog? Do you, do you ever feed it Greenies dog treats if you have one? Yes. Yes. I know what you mean. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so the guy that invented Greenies dog treats is here from Kansas city, an entrepreneur. He sold to Mars a few years back and, and, but I remember talking to Joe and I, I asked him about decision-making and he said that he carries he, well, when he was um, running the company, he said he carried a pair of dice in his in his pocket, and he said, "When I got to a point where I just could not figure out what to do, he said I'd pull it out and call a number, and I'd roll the dice, and if it was came up this number or you know whichever number it came up, I would either go with my gut or I'd go with the numbers, but I would or you know this decision or that decision. He goes, but I would just make the decision, and I said, really." big decisions. You, you would leave those to a roll of the dice. And he says, well, you know, I'd done some homework. But his point was, is that you can be paralyzed by indecision. You get so worried about what to do that sometimes you just don't make any decision of, at all. And that's just the worst thing you can do in many cases. And so at least this got him off the fence post and he would start going in a direction and if he needed to make adjustments he would if he needed to get more numbers or more input he would do that but at least it got him moving and so I think that you have to sometimes if you, if you just are paralyzed and you can't figure out what to do I think sometimes you do have to go with your gut that doesn't mean you're stuck with it you can still make those adjustments along the road but it it helps to overcome the paralysis. You can also have analysis by paralysis. Paralysis yes. by analysis, I guess you yes. might say. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it doesn't have to be perfect before you move ahead in one direction. It's like those are the preponderant odds, but you mm-hmm. don't have to have every last thing lined up to make it sure it's absolutely perfect. For example, right. websites, yeah. you know, they're going to change the website over time. The first time it's out, doesn't have to have everything absolutely done. As, as right, and, and the market moves so fast these days that if you wait to have everything 100%, by the time you get it 100%, the market's going to have changed again. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. so what are some of the resources that entrepreneurs should have access to and how can they get them? Financial advisors, mentors, other entrepreneurs, some of the things that you offer. What kind of resources? Because it can be lonely to be an entrepreneur, right? And and you, you have to make all these decisions on your own. You have to reinvent the wheel. And in fact, a lot of these people have already done these kind of things. That's absolutely true. And I can't stress enough the importance of surrounding yourself with good people, with good advisors, people who are hopefully smarter than you are. I mean, if you're a person that thinks that you know everything, then it's you're going to have some really lonely nights because there are, are people out there who can help you who, as you say, have been through this before and are willing to help. I think most people really do want to help you if you reach out. And you have to be able to put your word. Not only do you need to be accepting of advice, you're the business owner, it's your money at stake, or you're the one that signed on the bank loan or whatever. So you have to make the ultimate decision. But it's it's important to be able to take advice. And it's also important to put your worst foot forward in front of these people. If you go to, if, if you are fortunate enough to have somebody who says, yes, I'll be your advisor, I'll be your mentor, and I will spend some time with you, and and they'll make that commitment to you. If you walk into those meetings and you make everything sound like everything's just fine, you're wasting their time. You're wasting your time. You have to be able to admit what's going wrong in your business, and you have to be willing to listen to um, their guidance on that. It's a pretty vulnerable place for people to be in. It is. It, it is. And that's why, you know, a trusted confidant is good because out in the marketplace, you, yeah, you're always, uh, f- you know, 
smiling and faking it until you make it because people smell blood and they're yes. <laughs> you know, they're on you. But so, Patty, you, you give some yeah. awards to people who mentor yeah, others. Do. What is the, what are those awards about? Well, it's interesting because uh, mentoring is one. When you talk to entrepreneurs, so often they will give credit to a mentor that they've had, and. Um, we decided there's in Kansas City there is no award. There's lots of business awards given, but none for mentoring for those people who do spend those times uh, counseling you and making those, helping you make those mindset shifts that allow you to uh, become a better business. And so this year we are offering an award to mentors. We've combined with a mentoring organization here in Kansas City called the Hellsburg Entrepreneurial Mentoring Program, HEMP for short. And yes, they do have a lot of fun with that name. Uh, but we've combined with them. And in November, on the 20, on the 30th of November, we're going to be giving out the first Casey Business Entrepreneurial Mentoring Awards. We've got John Mackey, the co-founder of Whole Foods, coming out to be our speaker. So we're excited about that. So what should one look for in a mentor if you think you need one? There, oh, there's a lot of different things. It could be um, very specific. It could be something that you are really dealing with and you want somebody with industry knowledge. But one thing that I would say is um, a lot of times people will go that direction and you might actually want to surround yourself with a group of people who also don't know too much about your industry because there, sometimes there's sacred cows. And, and so sometimes you might want to pick the brains of somebody else who has been a very smart and successful business owner, but perhaps not in your industry, just because they may be able to see things that you can't because you're so, um, you're so bound in your thinking by industry standards and so forth. Is it good to have a board of people not necessarily in your industry. I mean, small businesses don't have room for a big board of directors, but mm -hmm. to have like a board of advisors, is that a, on a consistent basis? Is that a good idea? I think it's always good to have a board of advisors, whether it's a formal board or whether it's informal. Uh, I, I think, well, I shouldn't necessarily say board. I think it's good to have a group of advisors because even if they don't all meet together with you, that you've got somebody that you can go and talk finances with. You've got somebody that you can talk um, industry with, uh, that you can just talk general business with. I, I think it's very good that you have those kind of confidants. And like I said, whether it's a formal board that meets together or whether they're just people that you can go to as needed one-on-one, uh, -on -one. yes, it's very important. So let's take the optimistic view. Let's say you have a very successful entrepreneurship. It's really growing. You're doing all the things we've been talking about. What are some of the dangers of achieving so-called success? Um, one of them we've already talked about, and that is is growing too fast. You know, you just just watch out for that. If you're um, planning to expand, make sure that you have thought about that, that it's financed, or that you know where the financing is coming and the terms of that financing, because that can kill you. But some of the other things that um, I think get in the way of achieving success, and I put that in quotation marks, are there's a real um, danger of complacency setting in. I've seen that before too, where people think that they've made it and it's it's very dangerous because that's about the time the market's going to change and you weren't paying attention and it it overtakes you. That's what I say, the paranoid survive, right? Absolutely. You know, and today the role of technology, it's changing all the time. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of disruptors out there that you... 
that can change your industry uh, very quickly if you're not staying on top of it. There's a very um, well-known entrepreneur from Kansas City who, who's known internationally, actually, and I was fortunate enough many years ago to be on the same panel with him. And I remember somebody asking him, so when did you know that you had achieved success? When did you know that you could just kind of sit back and relax and uh, not, not worry every day? And the look on his face said it all. It was just priceless. He was actually somewhat confused by the question, I think, because he said, or why it would be asked. He said, you can never get to that point. He said, as soon as I get to that point, he says, I'm going to get hit with a lawsuit or there's going to be some kind of technology that comes in that will force me to close all my stores because now people can get it done online. And he just, you know, you just cannot get complacent, uh, even if you think you're, uh, even if you think that you're successful. So it's Is it very- a good idea as an entrepreneur to go in as a disruptor? Knows if something's already being offered that's working, but you see of doing it a different way. That, in a certain way, new entrepreneurs are disruptors by the nature of it because True. they're doing something different than the way it's been done, whatever it may be in. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I, I think that there's some logic to doing that. Uh, it, as long as, as long as there's not a huge educational curve where I tend to have seen some of the most successful entrepreneurs are not necessarily the first ones who were to market. But they let somebody else open up the marketplace, watched and listened, observed, and saw where improvements could be made, and and then they went and and also the where the marketplace was trained for that particular product or service and had decided that it was needed, and then they come in and offer better, bigger, broader, you know, and and actually soak up the marketplace. Then so improving existing products, you don't yes. have to kind of create some brand new thing. Like an yeah. iPhone that never existed before or something like that. You can right. improve or, in some cases, bring a product that's been successful elsewhere into a new location where it's not offered. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there are ways of kind of spitting off existing success uh, right. out there. Yeah. Right. So you're a leader not only of your own company, but your, people look to you as a leader for other entrepreneurs. What are some of the lessons you've learned uh, about what makes a successful leader? You know, I think leadership is a word that's thrown around too casually, to be honest with you. And I think that to be a leader, that the first thing that you've got to do, the biggest thing is you've got to get comfortable, really comfortable with who you are and how you act and how the things that you do are congruent with the things that you ask others to do, with the expectations and the requests that you make. Because if they aren't congruent, people are going to see that. They can spot insincerity really easily. And here's the funny thing. They may end up doing what you ask, but they're going to be doing it for other reasons, not because they see you as a leader. They're, if you strike them as being a phony because what you're saying and, and what you're doing are not on the same page, uh, like I said, they, they may still follow you and they may still do what you ask, but they're doing it for other reasons. Um, and so I like because they need you to get ahead or something like that. So that's one thing. And I also think that the leadership books and the Lunch and Learns, they all have a place. They're great for helping to educate about leadership concepts. But it's really in those quiet hours, uh, you know, when you can't sleep at night and you're trying to make a decision and you really don't have, even after you've talked to advisors perhaps, it's still, it's on you to make that decision. And it might not be something that's going to impact a lot of people. 
And, and that's when you start to see what you're made of or, or to conversely, here in the middle of a bunch of people, it's a very public kind of situation and everybody's looking at you and you have to make the decision. And again, that's when you're tested as a leader. So you can learn the principles in a book or in a lunch and learn session, but you don't really discover whether you're a leader until you're tested. So Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kelly Scanlon. She's the owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media, based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas. Uh, her uh, website is ithinkbigger.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Kelly Scanlon, is owner of Thinking Bigger Business Media, uh, which is a company that helps uh, smaller businesses become bigger businesses. She's based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas, Kansas. And her website is ithinkbigger.com. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you. So we were talking about leadership a little bit. Um, one thing you say is that leaders should not brag too much. What's the problem with bragging too much and making getting too big for their britches, I guess you might say? Well, yeah. I think sometimes people equate uh, leadership with people who have very uh, strong personalities and uh, that they're very vocal and in the limelight. And I, I don't, I think there's a lot of quiet leaders out there. In fact, there've been different studies done about sometimes how introverts actually make better business leaders. Um, it's, it's not so much about the beating your chest. A true leadership is, is getting people to follow a vision. It's not about, you know, beating your chest. And, uh, for example, in a, in a business, some of the best leaders are the ones that, are able to motivate their staff to 
give that extra, uh, that 110, 120% in order to get a company over the hump, uh, maybe with limited resources, you know, and maybe not being able to give people pay raises, but because you have helped them day in and day out buy into the vision of the company. And that, again, that's not standing at the, you know, top of the conference room table screaming. It's the everyday things that you do that help them to see what the company is about and getting them to move with you. Like I said, during even hard times when you may not be able to compensate or give them a lot of rewards. I think those are just some of the best leaders that, what, that are What else out. can you give people to have you follow them, if not money? I mean, praise or vacation days? I mean, what, what other things can you use in addition to money to motivate people to follow the vision? That's a great question because a lot of people will automatically go to the money or the compensation and study after study disproves that. Most people want the opportunity to be able to contribute and to be recognized for their contributions. And that's why I say leaders who are able to, even with few resources, uh, get people to bring those contributions to the table to, to be able to tap into them and get that out of them and then praise them and praise them publicly. Um, it doesn't have to be extra time off, although that is one thing that people like even ahead of money, especially the millennials. Some of the studies are showing is that millennials like to have more flexibility in their uh time. So, you know, if there's a way to have flex schedules or allow somebody to leave early, like at three o'clock to go get their kids from school, but you know, they're going to work at 10. Now, of course you have to be, uh, you have to make sure that you're following the law because they know that laws sometimes preclude uh, how people can work. But if, if you're able to offer that kind of flexibility, yeah, that does help. You have a philosophy about the adage, another day, another dollar that applies to entrepreneurship. What do you mean by that? You know, um, it's, I have this kind of weird way of associating things. And one day somebody actually did say that to me, you know, ah, another day, another dollar. And it, it just hit me different. It, it just got me to thinking, you know, what if days were dollars? What if uh, we, for, you know, every day we had, had a dollar? And so how many would you have in a lifetime? And I started doing the math. I know this is really weird sounding, but I, I actually did this. And I realized, okay, the, at that time, I haven't looked lately, but the average life expectancy of an American is 78.6 years. And if you take that times 365 days a year, then you have 28,869 days or dollars, if you want to go with that analogy. And so in a lifetime, we get 28,869 days or dollars. And now most people would agree that it would be hard to live on that amount of money in a year, much less a lifetime. Yet so often I run into people, business owners and others, who they're burnt out, they should have closed down a long time ago, uh, just whatever it is, but they keep at it and they keep at it and they keep at it. And there's something to perseverance, don't get me wrong there, but there are people who continue to go about their daily lives very unhappy and either out of a false sense of loyalty to something or maybe their own pride 
or whatever it is, they won't make the changes that are necessary. I mean, if you only had $28,869 to live on in a lifetime, you wouldn't think just once before you spent one. You'd think twice, three times, four times, five times. But yet we waste our days going through things, the motions. And I would just encourage people to really stop and think about where you are right now in your life and are you just throwing away those very limited dollars uh, because you're you're just going through the motions of your day? Is is it time to shake things up? Is it time to pass, you know, the torch to somebody else? Um, I, I would just, pr- you're saying to yeah. prioritize and focus on what's most successful instead of being distracted by a lot of different things. Is that right? Well, that that's part of it. I think it's bigger than that. It's just really getting clear about what it is that you want to spend the rest of your life doing. I mean, I don't think anybody's ever going to go to their grave saying, oh my gosh, I wish I would have gotten that one last thing done on my to-do list. I think what they're going to regret is the things that they didn't get done on their bucket list because they spent too much time with the little things on their to-do list that they can't even remember last week what those were. So, yeah. So, I, I just, I see too many business owners just continue to to trudge through, and I would just encourage to stop and get get centered about what it is, and then make what that change. I want to talk a little bit more about your website, uh, which is IThinkBigger.com. What are some of the specific resources that people can find there, and not only in the Kansas City area, but anywhere in the country, that would help them become better entrepreneurs? Sure. There's all kinds of articles out there on that website. Most of them are evergreen, so you do not need to be in the Kansas City area to get nuggets. We always feel like if there's just one nugget that you can take and apply immediately to your business that we've been successful or um, that you can at least go to some, some other professional and use what you read on our website in an article as a basis to start a conversation with them, uh, that that's a success too. So there's a lot of articles out there. We would encourage you to go out and read. Um, also, our podcasts. We uh, are on Blog Talk Radio and would love for you to tune in. You can go to ithink.com, hit the radio tab, and listen to, oh, three, four years worth of podcasts, maybe even more. I've lost track now. Uh, but th- those are some of the big things that you'll find there. Um, you can also subscribe to the magazine, our monthly magazine. It, it's twenty four ninety nine a year, and you don't really have to be in Kansas City. There is some Kansas City-focused stuff, but most of it is evergreen, and, and you'll learn from it. Are there other companies like yours around the country? Is there kind of an association of entrepreneurship helping companies like you? You know, there have been, uh, there's one in St. Louis, there's a St. Louis Small Business Monthly, and, and they do some of the same things that we do, and there are other small business magazines throughout the country. Obviously, you have the national magazines for entrepreneurs that we all know about, uh, so there are a lot of good resources, and I would also tell people, within your specific community. Make sure that, again, you don't try to go it alone. There are so many resources, whether it's individuals like mentors or advisors, but there's also organizations like the SBA and like the Women's Business Centers, uh, the Small Business Development Centers, and then there's, you know, in every community there are resources that are specific to that community that will help. Um, The National Association of Women Business Owners, if you're a uh, woman business owner, there's very veteran business owner groups. Go look those up. Don't go this alone. It's hard enough as it is when you have help. It's it's just unimaginable sometimes when you don't take advantage of those resources. So, yeah, I'd encourage so people to do that. In about two minutes we have left, why don't we just kind of sum up 
the the upside of being a successful entrepreneur and what what kind of feeling that gives you the upside of being a successful entrepreneur i think it's uh the knowledge for me anyway i can only speak for myself i hear various answers from different people i think the upside of it is the ability to uh, offer people jobs i think you know jobs are so important uh, they they give people dignity and and the fact that you can uh, offer jobs and that you can uh, do that for someone the ta- that you can add to the tax base I think that's wonderful that you can offer products or services that may not change lives but that they can ha- enhance lives or they can make things easier for somebody whether uh, it's a consumer or whether it's a business owner and I also think very importantly it's the opportunity to have influence when you're a business owner you get that rare opportunity to um, set agendas to be on boards to do a variety of things that that result in in better communities and I, I think that's just a phenomenal opportunity. And what is the downside? Uh, going into a lot of businesses do fail. Uh, and, you, know, you have to be realistic about this. A lot of people aren't going to make it. What is the, the downside of being an entrepreneur that people should be prepared for? Now the downside is you, well, uh, hopefully you haven't risked everything and you've still got a roof over your head if you fail. But I think even in the downside that there are things that you can take away. You, I mean, hopefully you learned. And whether you start another business or whether you go to corporate America, that you take those lessons with you. You've, I think that one of the things I hear entrepreneurs tell me is that they, they've learned what they're made of, that they have weathered things that they never, if they had known they were going to go through them when they started, they may not have ever opened their doors, but yet they weathered them and they're a stronger person for it. Yes. And so, you know, even in failure, there are lots of of good things that you can learn. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Kelly Scanlon, very articulate about the whole idea of how to grow your business. Her business is called Thinking Bigger Business Media. She's based in Shawnee Mission, Kansas. You can find out more about all of what she does, her podcast, her events, and so on at IThinkBigger.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. 